It's Shani on Shani Speaks Now. Hey there, Faith Fam. It's your girl Shani here, and I'm back with another episode of My Fill in the Blank Story, a live interview series where I aim to amplify the voices of women as they share their reproductive health journeys. In this episode, I spoke to Adriana Skinner, a mom, author, and public health professional. She shares how lupus affected her pregnancies with her three sons and the loss of her sweet infant son, Beau. It's a very powerful conversation, so be sure that you stay tuned because it's a conversation you definitely do not want to miss. So first and foremost, thank you all so much for taking the time to come on live. Uh, this is my fill in the blank story, and it is all about reproductive stories that we're sharing that are real, that are transparent, women who are brave and courageous enough to share their stories on all different types of topics that are reproductive related. And today's story with Adriana Skinner is my lupus and infant loss story. She has a very, very, very dynamic story, and we're going to go through it. But one of the things she also has is a book that she wrote. So we're also going to talk about her book because it's not just about, obviously, people sharing their story. But if they've created resources, if they have things that they are willing to share and that they put out in the world, I want to make sure that I share those things, too. And hopefully you all, if you need those resources, will be able to have them. Now, Usually I know a lot of the people that I go on live with personally. She's actually the second person that I don't know personally, but one of my cousins, Denise, beautiful girl, she, uh, they are related technically. Yes. And um, when I did a IG live last year, when I shared about my miscarriage and I was highlighting a book that really, really helped me, she shared about her book. But at that time I wasn't doing these lives. And when I finally decided that I was going to do these lives, I reached back out to her and I wanted to know more about her story. And thankfully we've been able to do that since. And that's the beauty about technology. That's the beauty about this life and this world is you can be connected to people that you may have never even known before. Um, but obviously sometimes your stories connect you. And even though we have different stories, we both have stories within the reproductive space. For those of you that are coming on for the first time that have never known me. My name is Shani Jones. I am a speaker. I'm a content creator. I'm a host. Uh, I've, and I've really become a woman's health advocate. I consider myself a fibroids and miscarriage champion. This is something that I've really, really come to care a lot about. And I'm also a realtor here in Orlando, Florida. So that's a little bit about me and why I ended up starting this in the first place is because of the experience that I had over 2021 and 2022 when I experienced not one, but two fibroid surgeries and also a miscarriage. And I realized that in sharing my story and being vocal, one, it kind of cut down on this being taboo topic excuse me, these being taboo topics, but also I realized that there was so much healing in me sharing. And as I've done these lives, I've realized for a lot of these women who have shared their story, there's a lot of healing that takes place for them as well. Now, the good thing is that for Adriana, this is not the first time that she shared her story. She's had opportunities to share on public platforms, and I'm glad that she's getting a chance to share here with my audience and also on YouTube. So once I get this all wrapped up and packaged, it'll be on YouTube for y'all to watch as well. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Adriana and give her the opportunity to share a little bit about herself before we dig right into her dynamic story. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, I am a mother of four. Uh, I have a beautiful bonus daughter and then I have three beautiful sons, um, one of which who I unfortunately lost in 2020 yeah. and we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah. um, I have definitely had a journey when it comes to my reproductive health, um, starting from 
when I was diagnosed with lupus at 17 to kind of the unknown of what that would look like for me. Right. And then the journey that I've been on, uh, also having experience being pregnant both in the United States and in Europe, which is yeah. really interesting for me. Um, I never thought that I would be here in this space talking um, about my loss, yeah. talking about, um, you know, how that loss has impacted me and then also about my book, which is really which has really been a healing and therapeutic um, tool for Absolutely. me as I've moved through this journey of um, not only child loss, but also like healing yeah. from child loss um, and advocating for women and talking to women and helping them um, kind of circle back to God and know that everything that happens, um, he is in control of Absolutely. and kind of um, understanding that we might not know the answers and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's literally where this has all stemmed from as well yeah. is realizing that, you know, there's a point and a purpose and we may not always understand it right. and we don't get it. But, um, you know, something that we've talked about is the fact that he can make beauty out of ashes yeah. and that's something that he's been able to do for both of mm -hmm. us. And I love that you have also decided that in sharing your story that you also want to advocate for women. And that's a little bit of a little of your profession as well. That's kind of something that's dear to your heart. Talk yeah. a little bit about that too, in terms of what you do um, career wise. Yeah. So um, my background is in public health. So I have always been an advocate for um, preventing any sort of um, disparities or preventable diseases or anything like that. My family has a business, House of Skinner Wellness, and um, we advocate not only for our youth, but also for women's health and men's health and kind of mm -hmm. a holistic approach to everything. So um, I've always been in that space since I started yeah. my um, master's in public health. And then I kind of went into the crunchy route when it comes to women's health when I was getting, when I was pregnant and learning a little bit more about like diapers and yeah. and that but um, always had an interest in women's productive health when it comes to disparities, yeah. especially in the United States. Um, and so now I've, you know, talked to a lot of my sisters in love um, <laughs> about their experiences being pregnant, having babies, all yeah. of that. And um, coached a lot of my friends through like, you can do this in labor, yeah. this is what you're meant to do, um, and all of that. So I have kind of took that on as kind of like a passion yeah. um, project or passion purpose Correct. instead of like, I don't get paid for it, right, but I right, right. get paid in like joy Correct. and like seeing all the babies. Yes. Um, my sister in love, who I think I saw on here, <laughs> she only calls me like the baby with her. So <laughs> um, I'm just in that space, yeah. just kind yeah. of like in the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, again, it's also a personal choice to do that. Yeah. There's, women who go through these things and they never talk about it and that's their prerogative. There's some that feel that, you know, speaking out on some of these things is your own private business and you shouldn't. And again, there are others like us who realize that for some of it, you do have to ring the alarm because there are people that are dealing with these things. I will never forget how many DMs and text messages and meetups that I've had since sharing about not only my fibroids, but miscarriage because people are wanting to talk about these things, but don't have the outlets. So I'm glad that you are one of those out there that are willing to share your story and that doing a little bit more and going a little bit further mm -hmm. so let's get into your story now I didn't realize this when I talked to you I knew that obviously that you had had lupus but I didn't realize you were diagnosed at 17 yes. which is a super young age to be diagnosed yes how has lupus kind of played a role in your health and your life leading up to of course your pregnancies 
Um, so I was diagnosed at 17. I, nobody really knew what was going on. And then when I was diagnosed and they kind of found out that I did have lupus, I have the lupus that impacts my kidneys. Mm. Um, they said, okay, so it's either going to be this, this type or this type. And if it's this type, I forget what, what term they used. Um, we're going to have to start chemotherapy, which could impact your fertility, Mm. or it could be this type and we start immunosuppressant. So at that point, you know, I'm in the hospital room with all of these attending, you know, and I was like, well, if that's the case, then I'm having, I'm having a baby. I'm having a baby immediately. I'm 17. I can do it. Um, yeah, I remember telling my mom that because she was like, oh, well, what about freezing your eggs? I said, I don't even know how I can't wrap my head around that right now like if that's the case like I, I need to do this now wow um but at that time I had a nurse that actually did have lupus she had children mm. and she was like lupus is different now um there's so much more research now plenty of women with lupus are are uh especially if you know you have right. lupus right. are having healthy pregnancies having healthy babies Good. because a lot of times in the past it was Women, especially um, Black and Latino women, were not diagnosed until after they had had a child and after your body had already been through so much stress. Yeah. Um, Uh, Where where there was like a point of no return for your kidneys or your body or anything like that. So for me, I was diagnosed early. Um, It didn't impact. There was no scarring. There was no permanent damage to my kidneys. It was more so um, I just... It hit me really fast and I was able to, my body reacted well to the medication. And then I was on the medication through college and then right in 2009-ish, um, I actually weaned off all of the immunosuppressants. Wow. So my lupus became like inactive. Got you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you do realize at some point, obviously you get married and mm-hmm. you're starting your life and you are mm-hmm. finally able to have your children. Mm-hmm. And I remember you sharing that with your first two boys, which how old are they now? I know junior is eight and okay. six. Aww. Yes. <laughs> so with the first two boys, you didn't realize, I think until after you had your second one, that right. lupus actually played a role in you being able to actually carry your children to term. Right. When did you find that out and how did you see that that was an issue? What, did, what were they seeing that lupus was kind of affecting with your pregnancies? So um, my first pregnancy I had in Germany and yes. in Germany, it's very different, very yes. holistic. Um, the OBs there, you get to see, you know, an ultrasound every month. Um, can you please take I'm busy. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and I, w- I had a very, very healthy pregnancy. I carried small. I carried small. Um, just meaning like my belly didn't go out very right. far. I was very, right. very petite. Um, and I was super healthy. Like I was already into fitness. I was already, um, like mentally, I was into yoga, all of that. I was a Mm -hmm. registered yoga teacher. And at that point, um, there was no really, there was no question about the lupus. She knew I had a history of it, but that it wasn't active. Right. So my first, I had spontaneously at 31 and a half weeks. And at that point there was no, there really was no question. It's hard to tell when it's your first pregnancy, especially if. Um, you know, all of your levels are right. the same. So like my kidney levels, you know, my hormone levels, all of those were healthy. Yeah. So they're really, she really didn't know why my second pregnancy, I, I started my second pregnancy in Germany and we started progesterone because she thought maybe, um, there had been a dip, even though I had just seen her that week before right. there had been a dip in progesterone, which caused the spontaneous, 
Um, of course, at that time, I then moved at 30, 30 weeks, 31 mm-hmm. weeks. I, I moved from Germany That's to here. To the state. Um, at that point, um, the doctors told me that it was possible that one of the reasons why Junior came early was because of the lupus and that as women, specifically women with um, lupus of the kidneys, it could cause, you know, your body gets to a point where it's it's either like I have to deliver this baby or it's, or your body is oh, going to wow. suffer from it. Wow. wow. So, um, um, so for my second, they were like, if you haven't had the baby by 38, 39 weeks, we will induce you. Um, and then he actually ended up, my water broke at 34 weeks and six days. Mm. So right before 35 weeks. Yeah. Um, and that was spontaneous as well. Wow. Didn't know why. It After I had Cruz, um, I did end up having a lupus flare. So at that point, wow. um, all of the numbers were showing it, it was either postpartum preeclampsia or a lupus flare-up. And Got, it was you. A lupus flare-up. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Wow. Well, thankfully, even despite those flare-ups and despite what happened, you were able to have your two boys successfully. One that we saw scatter around the back, which was so cute. <laughs> and you are mothering, uh, so again, yes, important. Mothering, and that's, 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 that's what it's about. So don't be worried about that. It was cute. Yeah. But so you've gotten through that. Now, before I kind of go into us talking about your baby Bo, I do want to kind of touch back because, like you said, your husband was in the military. You all were stationed mm-hmm. in Germany. Your first experience with childbirth in Germany was you know a full experience there and then i guess almost most of your pregnancy for your second one obviously you know being in germany and being in the u.s and we've heard you know you can hear stories i mean i know like in canada they have like almost a year and a half of like yeah you know um being able to be home with your child just all Mm -hmm. these different things so i mean obviously different countries do things differently but i know that you noticed some differences in terms of your care being in germany and then being in the u.s talk a little bit about that because i found a lot of that very interesting when you shared yeah so um an interesting thing that i found in germany was that doctors Uh, do not deliver the babies unless it is like an emergency c-section um midwives they all hospitals are staffed with midwives and midwives are the ones who deliver the babies so it is a very respected um, position you know being able to deliver babies and they have all the things in there so they have like the ropes hanging from the ceiling they have the showers they have the hot the tubs with warm water they have the peanut balls they have the yoga balls you can labor standing up which is what most it felt most natural for me you can labor standing up um, if you do require any sort of pain medication or pain management, they have all sorts of different options. There's laughing gas, there's muscle relaxants, there's, um, walking epidurals, which I hadn't known. It oh. is an epidural in your back, but it's like an IV that you can like walk around with. Oh. Um, I actually don't know if it's in your back. Let me take that back. It is a walking. Right, 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 right. Um, but you can walk around. Women can eat and drink and have Gatorade in your last meal all of that because their their mentality is that you can't you need the energy in order mm-hmm. to actually push the child out of your body right and because they're not thinking about oh i need to be able to prep for surgery just in case that's not yeah. how their mentality is midwife yeah. like you can do this your body can do this so you need to eat you need to drink you need to right sleep, you need right this, you need that. um another thing that i really enjoyed about germany was um if i had been a local national or on a german contract I would have been able to work um, at least one year paid and then one year unpaid. 
wow. but still hold that position. If I, um, they also have uh, their universal health care prescribes a hebmamen, which is a which is a midwife uh-huh. or like a postpartum doula to come to your home, oh, wow. so you don't have to do you don't have to take your baby out to do any of the like first appointments. You right. know, they weigh your baby there. They take. Um, the different measurements they show you how to bathe the baby in like a bucket like the little water bucket um they do like postpartum depression screenings um that sort of thing and i need you to please go please just go in the living room for a second apparently they also want to be live yeah exactly (laughs) um and because junior was born early they actually wrote me a prescription for a pebmamen to come and visit me for longer. If, oh, wow. if I had been on the German insurance, I was on TRICARE at the time, so it was a little bit different. Yeah. But, um, but I thought that that was great. I mean, to not have to leave your home. In my culture, we do La Dieta, which is, <clears throat> you know, 30 to 40 days of yes. broth and soups, um, yeah. belly binding. Yeah, belly binding. Don't pick up anything unless it's unless it's the baby and, and then that's your family is kind of there helping with yeah i mean my family's caribbean yeah, exactly. maybe i don't know if it's 30 or 40 days but they sure enough are here trying to take care and do all the things whatever that mm-hmm. time country right so. exactly and it's to you know not to leave the house yeah the baby unless it was a doctor's appointment and in this case they would have come to me so i just so good it was very centered around the mom and the child um you know it was just amazing. Uh, I remember I had congestion and I asked the doctor, oh, is there anything that I can take? And she was like, no, you can't take anything. D- drink this tea. Right. Um, I was breastfeeding Junior and he would have gas or constipation and I would go to the apotheca and they, I would be like, hey, what can I, you know, is there anything yeah. I can give him? Are there any drops? And they said, nope, you drink this tea. It was like a fennel yeah. tea, That's good. or fenugreek and you drink it and then if he needs a little bit of it, give him like an ounce. Wow. Um, and you both will feel better. Or they had this like essential oil balm that you rubbed on their belly. So it's very, very holistic. Yeah. Even after I had Junior, um, instead of Pitocin, you know, they're mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. pumping you with Pitocin. They gave me these like sugar, they almost look like nerds. Mm. Like a, and mm-hmm. put it in my mouth to help contract my uterus to deliver my placenta. Wow. So it was very different. Here, I go in to have crews, and I'm like, well, can I labor standing up? I had to sign waivers. I was like, can I get a Gatorade? They're like, no, you can barely have ice chips. Oh, Lord. Um, I remember when I was being induced with Bo, the same thing. I was like, well, I know how it goes with U.S. hospitals. So before you guys induce me, what I'm going to do is, Terrell, I need need a big old Gatorade. I need you know, all the teas that I can have because yeah. it's totally different. I mean, here it's very much medical centered. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure if, if in the event you need to have a C-section, yeah. then you're ready to go. Yeah. Whereas there and, um, it's almost like that's a totally different. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. Wow. I, I find it so interesting in terms of, um, them allowing you to have your child or labor standing up because I know mm-hmm. if you really go back in time, Native Americans, a lot mm-hmm. of African countries and villages, literally their children, their their women have their children standing up and midwives are used in many of those places mm-hmm. to help. And I know here in the U.S., 
you know, while obviously midwives can be used, sometimes it is not, you know, depending on where you are and what hospital can be frowned upon or Mm -hmm. they may not be able to, you know, be there at that time frame. Um, So I I think that's a very, very cool aspect that you're sharing. And hopefully, you know, when it comes to those things in maternal health, things will get better. I know we've seen reports recently um, from Tori Bow, the Olympian that, you know, unfortunately had her Mm -hmm. baby at eight months by herself. Um, Mm -hmm. know that, you know, black maternal health and even just maternal health for women of color has not Mm -hmm. always been the best. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully those things will definitely improve here for the U.S. But I just found it very, very interesting to kind of hear your story in regards to that. So let's move on to Bo. You um, obviously got to a point with your lupus where it was under control again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you were taking some medication that kind of, you know, also helped, but it was safe and you were able to get pregnant with Bo. I remember you sharing that. I think you all started trying in November of 2019 and by December of 2019, Bo was on his way, correct? Yeah. I got pregnant with Bo um, Christmas of 2019. Aw, that's a very, very happy Christmas (laughs) Christmas gift for that year for sure. Mm -hmm. So in terms of your pregnancy with Bo, how did that go um, despite everything? Yeah, so I, I, after I had Cruz, I was on um, an immunosuppressant that was not safe to be pregnant on. And then um, once I talked to the doctor, I was like, hey, I'm trying, we're wanting to expand our family. Can I be put on, either can I be weaned off or can I be put on something that is safe? Yeah. And um, there is the one that I'm on now and the one that I was on um, at that point is completely safe to beyond when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, which is huge for me as well. Um, and I was, I was feeling healthy. I hadn't like, my levels were like normalizing and everything. Um, but because lupus can be hard on your body, they want you to be on it like kind of pre, uh, um, what is it called? Proactively. So, um, I was on that and very healthy pregnancy. Um, I want to say probably around four months I went in, um, for four or five months, I went in for an anatomy scan with the MFM Mm -hmm. because, um, because I had had, because I had had the other two early and, um, he, he always liked to like snuggle with my placenta. Mm -hmm. So very hard to get certain readings for his part specifically and I didn't think anything of it um and then they said to come back in like a week or two to see if we they could get better images and then that day um he was a little bit different like differently positioned and they saw that what they saw was instead of the two great arteries that come out of the heart being crossed like Mm -hmm. this they were side by side Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. meant that he had um transposition of the great arteries or um congenital TGA. Gotcha. And they said, because what we see, we want you to go see a specialist. So I went to see a, um, a a pediatric cardiologist and she confirmed that obviously they can't see nothing is like determined until the baby is actually out. Um, but at that time, you know, it was COVID. Yes. Uh, I was in the room by myself. Like my husband wasn't allowed to be in there with me. My face got hot. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. Um, I held it together in Mm. the doctor's office. Um, and I was like, you know what? I trust God. And immediately got to my car and like broke down on the phone Mm -hmm. as soon as I heard my husband's voice. Um, but 
knowing his diagnosis helped us to be prepared for when he was coming. So right. I'm grateful for that because um, even though like one in 10 children is born with a congenital heart defect, mm-hmm. the majority of them, well, a good portion of them, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, right. a good portion of them are not diagnosed in utero. Gotcha. So a lot of times women right. won't know until after they've had the baby. And um, so I was grateful that I knew that. Yeah. I was grateful for COVID actually because it allowed me and my sons and my husband to be in the house yeah. together to yeah. fully experience the pregnancy all together. Yeah. Um, and then it was at my 30s and I was on progesterone shots gotcha. also. So to prevent the kind of labor, yeah. I was getting shots. Um, but then at 36 weeks, I went in for my non-stress test, still doing good. She measured my cervix and everything. Um, but he kept having D cells in his heart rate Mm. that weren't coinciding with the contractions. So because of his heart, um, because of the history that he has with his heart, they wanted to send me to the hospital for a longer non-stress test. So I immediately did that. Um, they confirmed that he was having these weird D cells where they would just go down, not coinciding with my contractions. And they said that they wanted to induce me that way they could, you know, figure out what was wrong with his D cells. If it was heart condition or what, um, and when they told me that, I mean, I was, I was in the hospital from that point on. Um, so, and that was what like late august of 2020 so that was august, august. 17th okay yeah, august 17th of 2020 and i was in the hospital from that point until you know he was born on the wow. 20th okay. um and when they told me they were going to induce me they told me what they were going to do the cervidil the this yeah. the that the pitocin and i was like well i don't want pitocin yeah. um you guys can do the cervidil but then I went down the list of all of the holistic ways to induce labor. So like right. pressure points, the foot massages, the pineapple, the spicy mm. foods, the castor oil, yeah. the teas, yeah. everything, peach, something, yeah. tea, red raspberry, yeah. everything to see if I could induce or like open my body right. naturally. Um, and then instead of the Pitocin, even though the doctors didn't believe me and I was like, this is going to happen really wow. quick. I promise you. Oh, um, they were like, oh, well, you know, you've never been induced before. I said, I know, but, like, once once we get the ball rolling, yeah. it's going to go really quickly. Um, That's so cool that you were able to school them on a little something. I was. And <laughs> when um, they did everything, they put the Cervidil in, they took it out for me to labor to see what my body did naturally. And then they said, at this time, we're going to do Pitocin. I said, well, at this time, can you just break my water instead and let me labor standing up? Wow. Um. And they did. They respected nice. that. And then, but because they wanted to have the monitor on my belly, um, they made me labor on my back, like mm-hmm. laying down. And that was so painful compared to my other labors. Yeah. It was super, super painful um, to the point where I was like, can I, can I get some laughing gas? Can I get like a t- an ibuprofen yeah. at this point? Anything. Um, and then at, at that point when his, he was down in, you know, right. in my pelvis, right. Right. um, it was so hard to find his heart rate that I was just like, 
I'm over it. Like, I'm just going to get on all fours. And I was doing like cat cows and I was just moving with my body. I didn't care what the nurses were doing around me. I didn't care. They were like trying to come up under me with the little monitor. Like, you guys don't know what you're doing. I need to do this. (laughs) And then I felt the urge to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, can someone check me? And they were like, oh, well, I don't know. It's probably not. And I said, no, I need someone to check me. And she checked me. And then she was like, like next time, just push a little. And she goes, oh, somebody get yeah. Dr. Kelly in here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he came very, I mean, I was told at the um, pediatric cardiology appointments, I was told I wasn't going to get to hold him. I wasn't going to get to do skin to skin. He would be rushed off somewhere right. that I would need to be discharged before I could even see him because he has to go to the other hospital. I was just incredibly grateful that he came out and I might cry. Mm. That's okay. He came out crying, like a nice, strong cry. He was nice and pink, you know. Mm. Um, it turned out that the D cells were because he had um, the cord around his That's neck. True. Oh, wow. Um, so thank God that they saw the D cells because as has he as he had gotten bigger, it might have been more of a problem. Yeah. Um, I got to hold him. You know, my husband got a picture holding him, and then my husband was able to go and be with him in the right. NICU, the ICU actually at um, Children's while, um, you know they they did everything with me. They yeah. took the placenta and this and that and and then. Um, I was also very surprised at how this particular hospital compared to the one I delivered at in Virginia was not very supportive for breastfeeding unless you actually had your baby. Um, like yeah. there was no, there was no cleaning supplies for all of the pump parts. Um, you know, they didn't really give you any bags. They didn't give you oh, like wow. a big yeah. jug, of, like a big white jug. Um, Whereas the the hospital that I was in Virginia did, I mean, it was like here's the cleaning supplies, here's the wipes, here's the this, here's the tub full yeah. of whatever. Um, it was just different. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. even within yeah. the U.S., yeah. things are very, very That's different. True, because <laughs> a lot of it has to do with what resources certain hospitals have, exactly. what funds that they yeah, have. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that can make it very, very difficult from, Mm -hmm. from person to person. And thank you so much for sharing, because I know that it is not easy, um, to share, even though I know it's something that you've shared a million times over, but this is still very much your story and things can hit at different times. So I do want to acknowledge that. And girl, if you have any moments where you need to (laughs) give yourself a moment, please do that. I saw Usually it's that like pinch right here where you're just like, oh, it's going to come. And then you kind of have to. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. And and the thing with grief, too, is it comes in waves. Yes. You don't know, you know, as you're sharing or as certain things come to mind, you don't know when and what is going to hit and when it will yes. hit. So, mm-hmm. listen, I understand. I saw someone mention same, I think, when you were talking about just laboring on your back and the pain. Yes. That. Um, it's totally yeah. different. Like, if, yeah. if anyone on here is going to have a baby anytime soon, try not to go to the hospital as soon as you think so. Try to labor at home as much as possible. Try to eat a meal, even though it's probably yeah. the last thing on right. your mind to do. Right. Get a lot of water because they're not going to let you. They'll let you be super dehydrated in just the IV. Yeah. But your yeah. mouth can't, yeah. you know. Yeah. And try to labor. And you are allowed to labor standing up. Just to clarify, you yeah. are allowed to. I told the doctor when he came in front of me, I was like, I don't want to be cut. Do not cut me. Mm. And... I had told them initially, I don't want Pitocin. I want 
you know, yeah. my water to be broken and for me to be able to labor. And, you know, I think because I had had two babies already, because I had done all of this research, I felt more empowered right. to, you know, be able to make those decisions and not be bullied because it was really just me and me and my husband. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do know that a lot of a lot of women, especially for their first time, are like, oh, well, they're the experts, you know, yeah, yeah. they're the experts. And I remember telling my sister-in-law, who's the one who said same, I remember telling her, you you can do this. And as soon as you feel this feeling, just know that the baby's about yeah. to come. So you yeah. push through it and yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Um, so, and that's so, yeah. so good for you to share because again it is empowering for women to know that this is something he's so cute is this crew this is cruise the second one but it is it's so empowering to know that we can advocate for ourselves because you're right it can be intimidating to you know especially your first time so it's intimidating mm -hmm. if you've been a first-time mom but it's intimidating anyways when you you've never had experience you don't know what to think or what to mm -hmm. do and then to try to stand up for yourself with doctors yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. I, there's been so many stories and so many reports that, you know, I've heard from people who didn't know what to do, felt something was wrong or felt that they were in pain and only come to realize later that, you know, they could have died if they didn't say anything or right. you know, something was worse off than they realized that it was. So I'm glad that you're really telling women and people in general. And this goes for husbands, too, because sometimes mm -hmm. we may be out of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, if there's and I do know that there's some men that have come on this and I'm glad that you all are here. Yeah. Advocate for your significant others. Advocate for your partner. Yes. when they are there make sure that all you all of you you the baby whoever get out of the hospital together and alive yes. and and you know just just ask it never hurts to ask yeah. you know, and you also yeah and you also have the right if you feel those microaggressions you also have the right to ask for like a patient advocate mm. and or a different doctor oh, this, this is good information yeah, like this is really good thank a you a different nurse a different doctor oh this is good um you can ask for like somebody to be there yeah um on your behalf like this doctor's not listening to my wishes can you please like i need someone here or this this nurse keeps ignoring my questions mm -hmm. she's not talking to me directly i've told her x amount of times then just say i i need a and there's always a charge nurse on on the floor a charge yeah. nurse is the one who's in charge of all the nurses yeah. and you have every right to do that and then also if because there aren't a hundred there's tons of microaggressions right, that happen right. all the time and are we becoming more aware of it 100 percent. but there's yeah. also a certain amount of um political correctness that i feel like we all try to do and move in especially when it's like i'm not I'm really not trying to argue with you i'm trying to have this baby right but if you feel that just know that you are your and your child's best advocate yeah. And if you need to have someone step in, whether it's your husband, whether it's a doula, whether it's um, a patient advocate, whether it's a nurse that you connect, like if you yeah. find that one nurse on the yeah. floor that has your back, be like, I don't want you. I want you as my nurse. Yeah. Please yeah. be in the room and be with me um, because it does make a difference. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially with black mortality rates, black mm -hmm. maternal, um, mm -hmm. infant and maternal yeah. mortality rates, like it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I've seen, I see a couple comments of people saying, yes, that they've done that. 
their husband advocated for them. Yeah. So it's definitely true. And I'm glad that we are talking about that because that is something that is important. I remember hearing a story of a woman, I think she had already had one baby and her experience was so terrible that when she went to have her second child, she went in with like cookies and gifts for all the nurses because she wanted to like get on their good graces mm. to make sure that she came out alive. Mm. And she, like we shouldn't have to coax right. people into doing their job to right. take care of us. Exactly. I don't think people realize that when you are dealing with having a child, it's literally a life and death situation, no matter what, even if the pregnancy goes well, there's exactly. things that can always go off in the middle of a labor and delivery. So it's always a woman that's putting her health at risk, mm -hmm. putting her life at risk. So exactly. it's something that we definitely need to pay more attention to. So, of course, now Bo is here and he's made it mm -hmm. and he did have to go into surgery immediately, even though you all thankfully were able to get a chance mm -hmm. to touch him and to hold him and do those things. And your husband was able to be with him. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about his surgeries and then kind of what it was like for those almost was it roughly two months that he yes. was here. So the roughly yes. the two months of, you know, what it was like while he was still here with you all during that time. Sure. So um, unfortunately, because of COVID, my my. Uh, older sons were not able to come and visit him, but um, we were told initially that the type of heart defect that he had was actually like the best one to have because it's only one surgery to switch the, switch the arteries and then he won't need additional surgeries like some other congenital heart diseases. Right, right. Um, we were told, you know, he'd be in the hospital for three weeks and then you would just have a lot of follow-up after that. Um, but that, that didn't end up being our case. So, um, he had his first surgery called a balloon, balloonectomy, something like that, where they take a little balloon and they um, create, they open up the hole. There's a hole in part of your, um, part of the arteries that allows for blood to flow. Got you. And everyone has that when they're born. And it's just when you, when you're pushed out of your mom, it kind of closes on its own. Um, but they open that up. So that way inside of his heart was mixing both oxygenated and deoxygenated blood oh, to hold wow. off for um, the surgery. Because basically what he had was the, the blood that was circulating to his body was all the deoxygenated blood. Oh, wow. Like it was, it was that, that was coming out. Yeah. That's how, like the heart is divided like this and it was coming out. Yeah. So that allowed for the blood to be both deoxygenated and oxygenated. Yeah. He had his first surgery, <clears throat> which was successful. Um, and then he was having some irregular rhythms, which is normal for after right. surgery, but they really couldn't find out why. Um, they did a couple tests and they saw that everything was normal. They just thought maybe it's, maybe it's his heart needing time. Right. Um, we had a couple experiences uh, while we were in the hospital. He had sepsis at one point. Um, we were able to get, you know, upgraded or downgraded to the HKU unit um, where they taught us CPR. They taught us how to, like, help his um, scar and his sternum and um, how to give him his medications, wow. that sort of thing. And then he had to do a car seat test and then we got to bring him home, which is probably still one of the best days mm. I can remember. Yeah. Um, when the boys finally got to meet him, when he was in our yeah. home, when he was able to be in the bassinet and, you know, 
go through go through like normal life. Um, and what was the time your time span from you having him to finally being able to take him home? One month. Okay. So we got to come home um, on September twentieth. So got exactly it. one month. Wow. Um, he was home for three days, and it was following a so we had a pediatrician appointment on the twenty second. He looked a little gray-ish that day, like, um, they call it molting. Mm -hmm. um, and I had asked the doctors then about if that was normal. Yeah. And the doctor said yes. And then we got a call on the 23rd in the morning saying, oh, the pediatric cardiologist wanted us to go back because we didn't, they didn't get a blood pressure reading. So um, when we were on our way out, I noticed that he was crying because he, he had just been asleep. He was yeah. crying. And then when I was getting him in the car, I noticed he was making a weird sound. Mm -hmm. um, and this time I cried too. Mm -hmm. Take your time. And when he was making that weird sound, I immediately was like, he's not breathing correctly. Yeah. And so I took off all his clothes. It was cold outside. I took off all his clothes. I started rubbing on his sternum. And he was still, like, kind of out of it. So I ran in the house. I called for my mom, who was thankfully there. And um, and I just went into, like, go mode. Yeah. Um, I started doing... My mom is a pediatric dentist, so she has to do, like, crash yeah. um, drills. And I said, Mom, he's not breathing. And she didn't know what to do because of, because of his chest um, incision. She yeah. was like nervous to do the compression so i immediately called 911 i was doing the chest compression she was doing the breasts yeah we were doing cpr on him i just told my sister and i called for my husband i just told my sister keep the boys upstairs um i was on the phone with 911 and just running through everything i don't even i don't even know how all of that happened um but they got there and by that time he would he had kind of come to yeah. um we had this outlet monitor that you know you put it on their on their foot and it it monitors their mm -hmm. heart rate and i put the outlet monitor immediately because i had taken it off of him um when he woke up because i don't need it when he's awake yeah and um i put the outlet monitor back on him and his heart rate was fine and you know when the um ambulance got there they didn't have like a mask small enough for his face so i just i just kept doing the breaths um and we get into the ambulance and they had to meet us on the side of the road with an ambulance that was equipped with the whatever was needed and um they just kept saying like you probably just saved his life you probably just saved wow. his life and we get to annapolis um uh er and they don't know what's wrong because now he's perfectly fine and you know he's just <sighs> You know, and they said, well, we need to uh, airlift him to Children's because we wow. just don't know. Right. We're not equipped right. to deal right. with anything. So um, first helicopter oh. ride. <laughs> um, but I just kept, so I have a uh, family cousin, like deep in the family, yeah. whose son was airlifted somewhere and her son crashed on the airlift. So I immediately was yeah. like. I'm like, my eyes are on him. I'm just watching him yeah. and watching the monitor and watching him. And, um, we get to the NICU because the CICU requires that you have two negative COVID mm -hmm. tests. 
we get to the CICU and, or we get to the NICU and they're running all these tests. They're looking, the cardiologists coming, everyone's coming in talking. And, and then he has another episode where mm-hmm. he just, it's almost like his heart stutters. Got you. Which then causes, you know, everything to kind of. Yeah, shut down. down after that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they then take him to back to the CICU, but I, we were under court. Uh, quarantine port- protocol, which means I am stuck in the room, um, and everybody who comes in has like B suits yeah. on until he gets two negative tests, and I get two negative tests. Wow. Um, at that point, the doctors told us, you know, he the transposition surgery was good, but there's a stenosis, like a very th- like a stretching of the pulmonary um, arteries that connect to your lungs that must have been too thin are too small right. too narrow and that he needed another oh. surgery oh, so then another open heart surgery um and this is only roughly a month later from his original surgery right firstborn wow. right so he has another surgery and what they don't tell you about the surgeries is like they it takes a while to put the kids on bypass like it takes yeah. a while uh, um it's like an hour to put them on bypass. And every time you go on bypass, it's like increased risk of all of these things. So um, they do the second surgery. He comes out again, like looking like he's everybody's favorite baby on the unit. Like he's, he's the baby that everyone was like, I don't even know why you guys are still here. I don't even know why you guys are still here because he looked that healthy. He was healthy. And this is why I say you really just have to trust in what god has yeah um because it was then he was still having so we we were fine got bumped down to the hku unit again everyone was like oh you guys are gonna go home soon and i distinctly remember we were watching um 101 dalmatians with my boys at home on like the ipad and they kept pressuring me to give them a bath for some reason they're like oh it's time for his bath i'm like well he's asleep and so i finally give him a bath and he's crying and crying and then he has another episode oh, wow and i said he's not breathing and thank god for that nurse because she immediately hits code blue and it's just like everyone rushes in oh. um she's doing the chest compressions i am lord died myself i closed the ipad um, everyone comes in because they don't know, they still don't know why this is happening. Yeah. And, um, I just distinctly remember my husband coming in with the food that he had went to go order. And I was just rebuking yeah. death. I was just rebuking death. I was in the corner, like just praying and covering him. And yeah. I was just like, Lord, you're not taking, you know, the enemy is not going to take him right yeah. now. Lord, I know that you are the God who can do miracles. So I need you to move right now. Mm. And so the same thing, like nobody knew what was going on. I kept asking if it was his coronaries, um, because part of the surgery is switching the coronaries. And, um, they finally tried to do another test, um, on his coronaries. And it was then that he, uh, crashed again and then was put on life support. So at that point the doctors came in and said this is like emergency surgery yeah. this is um, 
like last resort surgery. We need to go in and we need to fix what's going on. Um, because it is his coronaries. Yeah. His coronaries are completely blocked. There's, it's a miracle that he's been alive this long because the heart muscle was not getting any oxygen. Um, and so they did the surgery. It was almost all day long. It was. Yeah, I think you mentioned probably like 18 hours yeah, or something. Yeah, it was like 18 to 20 hours. Um, on a, it just seems so on a baby. Like, yeah. I'm just thinking about how small they are. And their hearts are like as big as a walnut. Like they're teeny tiny. So thank God for the surgeons. Um, and I just remember praying and I wrote Romans 8.28 on the big board that they have. And at that point, you know, the nurses are confused. I'm confused. The doctor's confused. And I just, he came out of that surgery, thank God. Um, and they, you know, they do like brain monitors and all these things. Right. And I, I distinctly remember it was like 10 a.m. He had a brain scan and was fine. And then by 2 p.m., he, his pupils were no longer reacting. Wow. And they said, we don't know what happened because afterwards we did the ultrasound on the head. We did all of these tests and there was no, there was no issues. Yeah. Um, and I remember my husband just walked in and I told him what the doctors were telling me. And then... I, they said we need to do another CT scan, but they bring the CT scan in. Yeah. And when we came back, they said he had had global brain um, injury. So not just a part of the brain. Yeah. It was, it was yes. whole. Jesus. And yeah. at that point, they said, you know, you guys can go home and sleep on it and come back we'll do another scan in the morning there's entirely way too many machines in here there was the life support machine ECMO there was the um, dialysis machine there was you know the brain scan machine like I was in this teeny tiny little corner pumping um and we went home and I just all I kept asking God was like whatever the decision is I need you to make it very clear yeah so that, that way I can live with yeah. What it yeah. And when we got in there, um, they did another scan and it was even worse. The injury had gone down to his brain stem. So regardless of what was gonna happen, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um it he, he wouldn't have recovered yeah. from that. Yeah. Because of the global brain injury, he was no longer a candidate for any sort of heart transplant. We still didn't know what his heart would have been what his heart would have recovered like yeah. um, following the emergency surgery. Um, and at that point, um, it was very clear. And I thank God for that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, very the, that, that's the thing is you pray prayers and you don't know how it'll be answered. But right. he answered, you know, he at least gave you the peace to, like you said, have a clear answer to know what right. it is to do. But it's still, it's, it's difficult. I can't imagine Right. And that is actually something that I've connected with some moms with, um, especially moms who have either had to make that difficult decision or are trying to cope with the fact like, well, why? Like, I have seen God heal. I have literally seen him heal from like the point of no return. Yeah. But why didn't it happen here? Yeah. And I just 
I prayed for healing and that healing came from yeah. him being whole yeah. now in heaven. Like he, yeah. he's not suffering. He's not having to deal with any of that. My family isn't having to. I met a mom whose son also had TGA. And she was saying, you know, her son was three and just, or four, and just randomly one day just wow. crashed in his in his home. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, to yeah. always have that what if was. Yeah. So, you know, I don't. I still don't have all the answers. I still don't understand why, yeah. especially because it shocked everyone. Um, all the nurses, all the doctors, the doctors were sitting there like, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, so, but one thing that came from that was when I left, um, the nurse was so sweet and so kind. Her name was Leo Shea. And she had been his nurse a couple times and we had talked about cloth diapers and all of that. And, and she was part of the bereavement kind of council. And she, she made sure I got footprints, handprints, gave him his last bath, got the hair, um, any sort of keepsakes that I wanted to keep. I was able to get from her. She was, she was so sweet. She was like, I gave him a little cloth diaper and I held him as I brought him down to the morgue. Mm. Like, not to be carted off, Whoa. you know. A laugh. And you're and getting a lot of love. I just want you to know you have probably aren't seeing it as you're sharing, but there's yeah. everyone saying they love you. And so you're getting a lot of love and support as you share this. I appreciate that. Um, but she was so sweet. And I just, I was handed all of these resources and none of those were helpful yeah. <laughs> like none of them were helpful yeah. um you know a place to donate my breast milk sure but like none of them were helpful and yeah like how do I even explain this to my kids yeah you know they don't even like what are they even gonna think what are they gonna say and I also remember so many families in there were only Spanish speaking and you know to hear you know how a surgery went from a translator is totally different Correct. not be able to communicate and so I kept in touch with Leoshe and she just randomly sometimes sends me certain things so she'd be like oh I was thinking of Bo today and I love 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 when people mention him yeah. and mention his story um all of my sisters in love they just randomly will say things like oh I was thinking of you and Bo today um but I was really, really inspired to write yeah. the book because we were able to talk. Yeah, we were able to talk to our children about the loss from our faith and from the understanding that, that God is perfect and he is good. And sometimes things don't make sense to us, but that's yeah. okay. And Bo is healed in heaven yeah. and we always have him. He's always here. Yeah. Um, but it looks a little different than what we expected. And just realizing when I was looking for books online and looking for this, I talked to um, this child psychologist who basically said everything that the boys are doing is like amazing. It's like what we would do yeah. in therapy. Yeah. And they were doing all of that on their own. Um, but there was just like no resources with children of color or no resources specifically talking about like, yes, you lost lost a sibling, but your sibling is still with you. Right. Yes, you lost a sibling, but we believe in heaven. And right. so I wrote the book um, because it was all in 
inspired by the conversations that me and my husband had with the kids. Yeah. Um, answering the little real questions. Because I know you mentioned yep. the book, but this is the book for those of you, and she has her copy, I have mine, called Beyond the Rainbow. Um, so, and I'll let her share, you know, how you can get your hands on it. Yes. Um, I want you now, this is the thing about this book, let me tell y'all. I read this book, not only is it beautiful, but not only did she write it, she illustrated this book. And I mean, mm -hmm. if you can see these illustrations, they're very, like, realistic. I'm looking at this picture of, I believe it's probably Junior in this yeah. bag. And <laughs> that is very much one of the children that we had seen walk across the street. <laughs> one of the ones that, one of my cameo stars. Correct. And just talk about, talk about the process of it. Because it's one thing to be going through what you mm -hmm. went through, to be grieving your son. But now, somehow in the midst of this, and obviously we know it's God, that you can look around you, see other people who are suffering, see people who mm -hmm. are not even able to speak the language mm -hmm. that the hospital staff is able to speak, but you know and you understand. And mm -hmm. somehow in your mind, you realize, yes, I know I'm grieving. Yes, I know this is hard. Yes, I wish I wasn't going through this, but I can do something that is gonna make a difference and that is gonna be able to help. And you started this book process almost immediately, even though it took a little bit of time. Yeah, so I wrote a very rough draft, like probably within the first several months. Um, and then I wrote the actual version that you see now, probably a year, like around the anniversary of his right. death. Um, it took another year to illustrate it, uh, just because it was very emotional illustrating it. I didn't know what I had wanted to do. Um, and then like, I mean, I just, distinctly remember like being in Starbucks for three hours straight and like crying and people were probably looking at me crazy but um mapping out what I wanted each page to look like and then kind of dealing with the ins and outs of Amazon KDP right. and like right. sizing differences and stuff um my mother translated it which was awesome um because I know Spanish but not like right. Her. right 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 <laughs> And um, it it was very, very, very cathartic and amazing to be able to give this resource that I, if I had had this when Bo first passed away, yeah. it would feel like such a relief yeah. to be able to have a guide to talk to my children who are living about this, even, okay. even adults, um, about like... Yes, I'm sad and yes, I'm grieving, but I know God is yeah. real and I believe that we have everlasting life through Jesus. And because of that, um, these are all of the little ways that God shows me yeah. that he's still with me. And I don't know if you guys saw my most recent post. Um, my son, at, he was at the championship game. His team got second. But <laughs> when they when they said his name to give him his little medal a butter a huge butterfly like came as soon as they said his name came down landed on the green and then like flew up near him almost landed on his shoulder and i was like oh my gosh this is exactly what we talk about one of the things in the book is like it's the butterfly yeah. that comes is yep. there yeah so um it was really amazing to it's it's amazing also to have the boys like catch on to that. Yeah. Um, but, and I love that not only do you give, 
the story, but one of my favorite parts of the book is obviously you have the last page that shows your entire family. Yes. Uh, even with little Bo here mm -hmm. at the bottom. But then you also, for those that may not be believers or don't mm -hmm. know where a lot of mm -hmm. these references and things you're talking about come from, you have the scriptures yes. here to explain kind of the hope that you have in the book. And I think that's such a bold move and a beautiful move for a children's book, mm -hmm. um, especially because there are going to be people, obviously, that are believers that are going to be drawn to it. But this is a book that is for anyone. And right. if they aren't, then you are also really sharing some of the gospel with them as well. Exactly. Helping them get through this this grief. So exactly. that is a beautiful and thing. For some of the moms um, who are having that tough time of like, I know God is good, but why, you know? Um, and the same thing with kids. The book helps kind of reel that back yeah. in. Um, the guidance counselor at my son's school actually has it. And she said one day, you know, Cruz was having a tough time at lunch for whatever reason. Um, one thing I realized about children is that at each growth stage, mm. they kind of process mm -hmm. things differently. And just like we're always thinking about our family and our friends and stuff, right. they are too. Yeah. And think about their sibling who's not here. It's a little different. Um, and she just took him to her office and they read the, the copy that she has there. Aww. And he immediately was like better. Yeah. Um, another thing, the nurse, I did give the nurse um, a copy of the book, both in Spanish and in English, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to make sure that the hospital had both. And there were these blank pages in the back of the book, which I had no idea why they put them in there, mm -hmm. right? I was like, I don't know why there's these, this like one full page. Right, blank, right. Blank page. And I was going to call Amazon and ask them. And then she sent me a photo. She's like, I'm giving this to one of the families today, to a family today. Right. That's an unfortunate thing right. in general. Right. But then she was like, I was able to put the footprints, the handprints, oh, wow. and all of the artwork that I do for the family in the book, That's in those blank pages up in the back. Aww. And I was like, God is good in everything that yeah. he, in every in everything that yeah. we think doesn't make sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then also the um, for the moms who I have connected with. Um, there was a particular mom and she's not on Instagram anymore, so I don't know how to find her, but she said her daughter and Bo actually have the same birthday, mm -hmm. just a year apart, and she lost her daughter. Um, and she said that it's the only book that like stays off the shelf. Wow. Oh. It stays off the shelf and it helps her three living boys mm. understand that they aren't the only kids who have who are dealing with this. They're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was huge because I didn't even think of it from that yeah. standpoint. I was just like, oh, parents, what do you do right. when your kid is asking you these questions? Yeah. But like having the kids be like, you know, I'm not, not like ostracized yeah. because I yeah. love yeah. a child, you know? Yeah. Yes, it could also be for people's prayers. Yes, I saw that. That's such a good thing. Thank you for that, Teach. So good. Yeah, I had actually thought about like if you wanted, like each of each of the boys has their own copy because they wanted their mm -hmm. own copy. But if they want to write, like they would write uh, letters to him mm -hmm. or like draw pictures and to be able to do that in the book, in the copy yeah. that you have. Um, I've also thought about that too, like having it be for the kids if you give it to the kids. So, um, but it was, it was a passion project, therapeutic project for yeah. me 
not only to get Bo's story out there because, you know, God is good and everything. And this was my worst fear. Right. And I lived through it by the grace of God. Um, That grace was also seen in the hospital. Like a lot of the nurses kept saying that, like, you guys are like pillars of faith and strength. Um, And the boys talking through it and being able to like very matter of factly be like, yeah, I have a baby brother. He he would have been three, you know, but he's in heaven. And to not have, not be shy about it. Exactly. This is is their life. This is a part of their life story. And to be able to work through all of those feelings that they have, like, um, if they're sad at night and there's a, there's a part in the book where it's like, when you're feeling that, just, just think of that's, he's just with you. And when you feel that, don't try to be sad about it. Try to like, just talk to him and you'll feel that. Um, so yeah, it, it is the first of many books. Um, but it is definitely, um, one that I and my purse just knocked over this picture of him. Oh. He's here. Um, <laughs> but it's one that I was very, very passionate about getting out there as soon as possible because yeah. because it was something that if I had had it then, I would have been able to have this conversation. I mean, we had the conversation earlier. Right. Obviously, this is based off of the conversation that we had. But if I was another parent, yeah. like yeah. trying to wrap my head around right. what just happened, this takes the brain work out of that. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Well, Adriana, your story is incredible. I know that it is still evolving and still growing. Yes, um, I'm thankful that you were able to go through such an, a very tough experience, and. Again, God was able to make beauty out of those ashes. And now not only do you have a book that has Bo's name, but that's something that will carry on his legacy. And now you're helping other families be able to do something that you had to do without the resource. And now they can do with that resource. Exactly. Um, I know we've been on for a little over an hour, but I wanted to, one, allow people to find out where they can find the book. I know you mentioned Amazon. I know you also have your own website that they can also get the book from. So please tell people where they can find the book a little bit more about your website um, and then also how they can follow you and continue to follow your story and kind of keep in touch with you. Yes. So you guys can follow me um, as I release the new books, um, all based on kingdom principles, especially kingdom principles to explain to your children. Um, I will be releasing and putting um, announcements on both my Instagram and then also on my website. My website is bowsgarden.com. So B-E-A-U-S garden.com, um, inspired by Bo, obviously, <laughs> but hopefully with growth of eventually maybe a nonprofit to support families and or research specifically because uh, black and brown children who are born with CHD are more likely to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding out why. And then um, also just increasing resources for burials um and and being able to honor your children who pass because that's not something that anyone expects especially a new uh, new baby um i also as i mentioned have a few different books in the works specifically for um teaching children kingdom principles in a way that also introduces scripture as you mentioned Mm -hmm. and um and yeah 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 
Well, get I blanket, get CPR certified. Oh. If you are around children, around infants, get CPR certified. Have your kids be CPR certified. Anybody and everybody get CPR certified because that's good to it, know. it bought us yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much for being on here with me. I am so glad that I had a chance to be introduced to you. Yes. Um, I have to up my cousin, Tanise, yeah, and thank, thank her so much. Thank you, Tanise. I know, I know she was on here. I know she's still on here, but yeah. Tanise, we appreciate you. You gave such a wealth of information from a gamut of things, and um, I'm so grateful for that. And again, we don't know why God does the things that he does, but I'm so grateful that you are able to still work past the hurt and still be able to work past what's going on. Oh, there she is. Yeah. Um, and thank you. I'm glad that you were able to put your website in there and uh, give them your Instagram. I see it there, but give them their Instagram too. If anyone's not following you and they want to follow you um, after they've had a chance to watch this. Yes. And then also um, to get the book, whether you want it in English or in Spanish, um, you can find the Amazon link through bowsgarden.com. So it's a little bit easier to navigate where to find it right. if you go to the website. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story. And just know that, um, I mean, we've had these talks and we got a chance to talk a little bit early today, but I know that God has a, a, an enormous plan for you and you are walking it out. And I'm sure that your platform is just going to continue to be elevated because you have such a genuine level of care. And again, the amount of information that you have to empower women to be sure that they speak up for themselves when they are in these labor and delivery situations, to be sure that we also know the holistic aspects of things behind our pregnancies and that we don't necessarily always have to be pushed onto with the medications and different you know things that are given to us. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously just to be able to be encouraged that even if we don't get the answer of the prayer we thought that we were going to get, right. I'm seeing God's hands in the answers that he gives regardless. And I'm just happy. I'm glad that you have two other boys that are here with yeah. us physically that are flourishing <laughs> as cute as can be, yeah. who made a little appearances while they were there. <laughs> Um, oh, and I look enough. forward to um, to sharing this for those of that for, for those of you that are watching. If you only caught a little part of it, um, once we get off this live, it will be immediately on my feed. And sometimes it allows me to, and sometimes it doesn't allow me to. But I think I should be able to invite her as a collaborator, so she can have it on her feed too. Okay. But I will be sure to put it on my feed, put it in my stories, and then by the end of next week, I will have it up on YouTube. I will send her the link. I know there's some people who are only on Facebook or who aren't on Instagram. So that way she'll have the story. It'll be packaged beautifully yes. with pictures and all the things so that she'll be able to have that and use that on her website as well. Yes, um, and of course, be sure to follow her. And for those of you that may have come on to um, support Adriana, who do not know me, I'm she, mm -hmm. uh, my, Instagram is at Shanice Speaks Now, and my YouTube is Shanice Speaks Now channel. So when it is up there, you'll be able to go and see that. Um, but I'm just so grateful for this conversation. I am learning so much with every story of every woman. They've all been so different. They've all been so unique. But there's still a level of uh, courageousness and bravery and integrity mm -hmm. um, and vulnerability and transparency that... Um, I just haven't seen anywhere else. And for that, I'm forever, forever grateful. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, my next story will be July 23rd, and it will be my labor and delivery story. So it is actually going to focus on, again, the whole aspect of maternal health um, and how things can go terribly wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, um, there is a good ending to that story for the person that will be sharing, and that will be July 23rd. So continue to follow so you know when I'll have my next live. 
And Adriana, I hope that you have a great rest of your Sunday. I hope yes. everybody has a great rest of their yes. Sunday. If you haven't had your Sunday dinner or any of those sorts of things, <laughs> go ahead and get your eat on. Lord knows that's what one, I need to do that. One last yes, thing please. to say, please, um, please. a consejo for anyone, if you know anyone who has lost a child or um, is has lost a pregnancy or mm -hmm. anything, just know the best thing that you can do is not try to make them feel mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Nothing will make them feel better. That's good. Um, you know, oh, you know, heaven was missing an angel or too beautiful for this earth. Or at unless, least you have the experience of having the child or experience. At least you know you can get pregnant. Yes, all that. The, the number one thing that you can do is say, I do not know what you're going through, but I am here for that, what you need. That is good. And, and understand, like, unless they say it, unless they say, you know, God needed him or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's in a better place. Mm -hmm. Unless they say it, just even if you're thinking it, just don't say That's, it. Listen, um, that is <laughs> like the word. number one advice is just say, I don't know what you're going through, yeah. but I'm, I'm here for what you need. And whether that's just getting them a copy of the book because you don't know what to say right. or, or just being like, Hey, you know, do you need me to just sit? Listen, if, if they have that is the best had thing. A name, just be there. Yeah, just and be if there. they had a name for their child or their child yes. was born, make sure you say that name. Absolutely. As much, and just, you don't have to say anything other than I was thinking of you and so-and-so. Yeah. You and so-and-so were on my mind. And that is probably the, like, those little messages that I got afterwards made me feel like he was that much more real. Correct. And then that much more supported where, where I don't have to like give you anything in return. Just yeah. thank you so much. Um, but that's the best advice that I can give is like, just say, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here. But I love you. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm here for whatever you need. Yeah. And I'm here for whatever you and Bo need, or yeah. I'm thinking of you and Bo. Yeah. Um, Cause it matters. It does. You don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid to say their name. It will warm their heart to say their name um, because they don't hear it as much as their living children's names or they don't hear it anywhere outside of their walls. Yeah. So that's something to just think of. No, I appreciate that. And I agree. I say my son Day's name often, even though I didn't get a chance to physically meet him here. But it's true. It just allows that person to realize what you went through was real. We acknowledge that it happened. And we want you to know that you're that we're here for you. Yes. And that's it. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. That is a great way to end this by yes. allowing people to know how they can support people who may experience some of these losses when it comes yes. to pre pregnancy and the reproductive one, health. One in four women. Yeah. Yep. One yep. in four women. Yep. So yep. you know somebody, you yeah. know somebody, yep. or you are 25% of pregnancies. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's happening more than we realize. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank for the so opportunity much. To talk. Absolutely. Yes. It was my pleasure. Thank you all so much for being on here, for all of your support, all of your comments. Um, I really, really, really appreciate it. Again, this will be up very shortly on our feed and then I will share it on YouTube. But I hope that you will have a beautiful Sunday and I'll see you next month in July. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Take care. Have a good night. You too. Adriana, thank you for sharing your painful yet inspirational testimony and pouring it all out into a book that can serve others. We look forward to your future books. And if you'd like to share your story live, remember you can email me directly at hishanee at shaneespeaksnow.com or DM me directly on Instagram. 
Didn't get a chance to watch? Well, you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts on She Speaks Now, the podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to my channel. And remember, always keep the faith and let the Lord fight your battles.